Hello, and welcome to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. I am your host, Felicia Jimenez, and I am here with the friends, Sylvester and Sabrina. Y'all want to say hello for the folks? Hello. 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 Oh my gosh, y'all are so cute. Y'all, this is all kinds of Black love. I'm so excited to have them on today. <laughs> we have a really cool topic to talk about today. So y'all, y'all know back in 2020, some of y'all, if y'all follow me, then y'all know if y'all didn't shame on you. But in 2020, I started a garden and like, it was the best thing ever. And so I, we, this is what we're going to talk about all today, all things gardening and on a beginner level, because y'all, I was like out of there. I didn't understand a lot of things. And so like we, yeah, we're going to talk about that today. Okay. So, um, Hey, so without any further ado, um, let's hop into it. Hey, black joy and bootstraps podcast that you really need helping my black community. Good vibes, good energy, black joy and bootstraps talk, financial literacy, love and education. Want to see my people elevated. Sylvester, Sabrina, y'all got to tell us like, so y'all have um, such a cool platform. I love watching your reels on Instagram, all the things, but tell us what it is that you do and how you even got started doing it. So I'll get started um, with that question. Um, We moved around a lot with Sylvester's work and we found ourselves um, in Atlanta, Georgia, out of all places, the weather was beautiful um, and it was just the perfect place to get started. And one day Sylvester comes home from work and he's like, I think we should start a garden. And I am going to be honest. I was not sold on it at first. I was like, you have to be kidding me. Like we going to garden. Right. And so he was so set on it. He had already done um, some research on his own and, you know, kind of got a game plan together. And he comes home one day with, um, pots and, and some soil and some seeds and he was like okay we're gonna get started and again I was still like mm. not feeling it yeah and this was back in 2018 yeah. for us and so when we originally started growing we just started growing on our deck in Georgia um with pots like pots that you see house plants sitting in um we had a few of those some long rectangle pots um but yeah that's how we got started yep. that's how we got started um okay so y'all already know that i love that but quick question even before we like get really into it have y'all seen high on the hog on netflix yes, yes we oh my did. god yes, yes. absolutely love it. love it absolutely love it could we not and you know the- what sorry yeah no, I was going to say, and even touching on that point, you know, I, I shared with you guys that I was not set on like gardening, like it was still, he would have to travel for work and I would go out and tend to the garden, but I was still like, I don't know. And it was one pivotal moment that I remember, um, he was out of town, the girls and I were at home and I was getting ready to cook dinner and I was like, oh, I don't have a green bell pepper and I really needed a green bell pepper. And then it clicked on me like, oh, we, we are growing food outside. So let me go see if a bell pepper is out there and big enough. And sure enough, I went out there, snipped the bell pepper, brought it in for dinner that night. And I just remember talking to him on the phone. And I was like, tonight's dinner was just like so amazing. Like I've made this meal. And I think it was maybe like a unstuffed pepper, like where I just make some dirty rice and cut up some peppers in there and some tomatoes. We add a little lettuce, a little sour cream. And I was just like, that bowl of like unstuffed bell peppers was so amazing. And I was like, what was it? And it dawned on me. 
it was because of the bell pepper that I had just, it was so fresh. Mm-hmm. It was the cleanest produce that I could have gotten and it came right out of our backyard. So that was like a very pivotal moment for me. And even when we were watching like High Off the Hog, I was like, yes, like growing your own food and getting it fresh wherever it comes from, whether it was the oysters that they were talking about, the produce right out of the garden or even going out and hunting. It's just that freshness of it. Mm. It's just amazing. So that was like the pivotal point for me when I was like, yes, we have to keep growing this food. Listen, and I feel like so many Black folks, especially African-Americans resonated with that so much. And so as we were, as I was watching it, I started reaching out to my own like aunts and uncles and I oh. found out that like my aunt is like a master gardener. Like she sent me like some of the oh. things that they actually talked about in um in the documentary, like in the docu-series. So like some of the rice, some of the peas, like I was completely yeah. taken aback. And so we've been talking about gardening ever since. And so anyway, I say all that to say, I think sometimes we miss and we we misunderstand and we lack the knowledge that this literally connects us, that it grounds us and that it it connects us to our ancestors. And so your story of the bell peppers, I had the exact same moment. Like, like there's something, and I know y'all, like I'm going to be everywhere this episode. So please just bear with me because it's something I'm so excited about. But like, this was one of the things, like one of the moments where I was like, dang it, I need a freaking tomato. And then I'm like, hold on. Because <laughs> guess what I'm doing right now? And y'all know yeah. anyone who's ever gardened, like tomatoes go wild. So like once yes. one sprout, just like so like y'all, yeah. I was feeding yep. so many people. So let let's just hop into it because we could tell the stories for days, and we're gonna get into that. But tell us like how to even start. So he came home. He said, "Look, mama, I got some. I got some pots. I got some uh, some soil and some compost. Soil. Soil. Listen, yeah. listen. So Sylvester, <laughs> tell us like the research that you had done. And um, we're not gonna talk about Sabrina being a Debbie Downer, but like let's just talk about <laughs> just playing. Right, right. 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 I, I, like... I want her over and in. <laughs> <laughs> listen, now they got a whole right. farm, y'all. So this is how this works. <laughs> but okay, so tell us like the research that you did and like what like what you found to be helpful and not helpful. And again, I want you to talk to us like we've never had a garden. We don't know anything, right? Because I feel like so many of us, we start out and then we're like, this is a lot. Like, I didn't know what germinate meant. I didn't know anything. And my husband, my husband is a lot like Sylvester. He was like, girl, I don't research all this. We do this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So Sylvester, tell us about that research and what that looked like. Yeah, so initially it was kind of a, just off of a whim, right? Like, I want to grow food. And then it's just like, well, I don't know anything, right? right? So it was really understanding the first, like, where are we? So we were in Atlanta or right outside of Atlanta. And then it's like, well, you need to know what zone you're in. Mm-hmm. And so by finding out what zone you're in, um, that tells you what you can plant successfully, right? Based off of uh, the history um, of that plant. So um, knew we needed compost or dirt or something, right? Mm-hmm. So started to just re research what is the best growing uh, platform method uh, for things in zone seven, um, Mm -hmm. the zone that we were in. um, It was saying, you know, try this brand, black cow, you need compost, you need dirt, you need good potting soil, so on and so forth. And so I really just start to uh, look into those different things and look at what are the additives in any of the soil? Is it natural? Is it filtered? 
um, and things of that nature, just to know like what is my growing compounds going to be because that is the essential yeah. of uh, whatever you're trying to produce. If you have no, you know, if you have dirt, you're not going to get anything. But if you have soil, right. then you, you know, have the possibility and everything. So just starting to research those things and then um, just seeing what they had at the store. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they'll have things at the store that will not work for you. Oh, right? absolutely. It's no their, matter where you at. So, yes. And things no, that are no really matter hard where to you Exactly. Yeah. And they'll sell those things to you and you'll keep scrap, scratching your head like, what's going on? Why is this not mm -hmm. growing? Well, it, you shouldn't be growing that at that time or you shouldn't be growing that in your area at all. Right. And so those were some of the things that I looked at from a research perspective. Um, you know, what is the soil? What are the plants that will be successful here? Um, what is going to take a lot of time in maintenance mm -hmm. versus things that were not going to take a lot of time in maintenance? Um, because I think it's important that you have some wins along the way, even if you don't necessarily, you know, want that vegetable or want that fruit. Right. When you see something go from a seed to a little plant and then you start to get fruit, you know, and those things happen quickly, you're like, oh, I want to, you know, can I do a watermelon? Can I do a cantaloupe? Can I do, you know, a tomato? It just gets you energized and motivated. And it's kind of, you know, the plant telling, giving you a pat on the back. Uh, so to speak, to say, just keep going, just keep going. Absolutely. And so we started out with something that we don't necessarily eat, mm -hmm. um, some radishes, some other different things like that. But seeing that little radish go from this and, you know, and pulling it, hook, yes. line, sinker. Uh, <laughs> and then that just made me want to research more. Right, right. Yep. So, so that's really, what, you know, the research that started. Um, a couple things that you said, I mean, all of it, so good. One thing that I want to hit on is having people understand those zones are freaking important. Like when you are looking at something, you Google it, just Google what um, gardening zone am I in? What planting zone am, am I in? Right. Um, and then that yes. will help you a lot because just like Sylvester was saying, what's going to come up is you'll be growing cabbages in June and cabbages are supposed to be grown in November or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so, and sometimes that's like the most discouraging part is like, you're just throwing seeds out there thinking that you're going to grow something. And then baby, it is not the time, the season. And the good thing yeah. about, yes, the seed packages is that at the back, um, you usually you can see what zone you're in, like what um, what months yeah. you're supposed to like grow it in. So for those of you who are beginning um, like myself, I would make sure that you look at that. Um, but y'all start collecting those seeds on their off seasons, too. Like when you go to a place, they'll have them like 50 yeah. cents, 20 cents, a dollar, whatever, yeah. because yeah. people aren't gardening at that time. So, yo, hit that up like so smart. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it mean to germinate a seed and how do you do that? Okay, so germination is basically the sprouting of a seed. Um, and in order to germinate a seed, you'll need soil, you'll also need water and the right temperature. Um, like Felicia was saying on the back of your seeds, it will tell you um, the correct temperature in which that specific plant um, germinates best at. Right now we have some germination stations going and for some cooler crops. So things like beets, salads, um, other leafy greens, and those need approximately anywhere from like 45 to 55 degrees um, to germinate. Now other things like our peppers, our tomato plants, we're going to be waiting a little bit longer and those will need the soil to be a little bit warmer than 55 degrees to germinate. 
um, you know, properly. But again, in order to germinate a seed, that is just the um, sprouting of your seeds and you'll need soil um, for your seeds to come in contact with and then water for your seeds to absorb and then it'll start its sprouting process. Okay, so let me tell you how I germinate and then you can go, girl, don't do that ever again. Or, I mean, it's fine if you do that. So let me know. So my husband was like, oh, I was looking at a way to germinate and what you do. So I do this every single time. I take a little Ziploc bag. I put a paper towel in it. um, I put my seeds in there and I put some water in it. And then I just label it. Like, I'll be like, these are my cucumbers. These are my bell peppers. These are my tomatoes. And then I just wait to see how many sprout. And from there, I will throw a bunch of them in, um, in soil, like a little... What are those little pots called? The little soil pots? Is that what they're called? Soil trays. Pots. Uh, what are they soil pots. If you're, if you're yeah. using the cardboard, they are soil pots or seed trays. Yeah, the ones that <laughs> kind of disintegrate like into the ground. You can just plant them into the ground. Okay, yeah. So I use those. Right. See, and for those of y'all, like, look, I'm out here gardening and I lack the language, but I just be Googling stuff. So like, don't be sitting here on my podcast like, I don't have the knowledge, baby. Neither do I. But I was out there growing, growing. Do you hear me? Right. So, right. And okay. that's okay. The terminology doesn't even matter. If you can explain it and get your point across, you know, because that's the thing. We Sometimes uh, like people get taken back or alarmed with trying something new. So I always tell people like, if you can simplify it as much as possible, simplify it. So even with us, when we have people come or we're talking about seed starting or gardening, I'm like, I'm not going to use all those fancy words like regenerative and you know, all of that. I'm just going to keep it plain and simple so that you can have confidence and say, okay, I can do this. So let me tell you, don't worry. We're not going to be using all those big terms either. Absolutely. Let me tell you two terms that I did um, need to stick with though, baby, when growing them tomatoes, interdeterminate and determinate. Because when I tell you, I learned my first year that there are plants that never stop growing and will take over your garden. And those are interdeterminate. And the determinants like will grow to a certain point and stop and then just give you tomatoes. Why didn't nobody tell me that? Because like they... Took over my garden. I was <laughs> yeah, like, they will. Oh yes, they will. I was like yes. A novice, novice moment. Like I was like, <laughs> this. Yeah. Like I have all these tomatoes now. Y'all, when I tell y'all, I was and y'all, I'm southern. Okay, I'm I'm in Dallas. When I tell y'all, I was making fried green tomatoes every other week. <laughs> like, yes. I was calling people over. Like I was like, y'all want some fried green tomatoes? Y'all need some tomatoes? You know, right. it was. But it was yes. a beautiful thing. And Sylvester, I want to hit on what you said earlier too because. Um, when you're starting, there are things like you do kind of need just like a confidence boost. And I saw this, um, like thing. So I'm in this group. Uh, so for black folks, um, and it is an exclusive group. So group, so black folks, uh, if you're on Facebook, black urban gardening society bugs, um, they have such good like information and like all the things in there. And one of the things that I saw that I thought was really cool is it said, um, if you grow it, you'll eat it. Um, and so yes. I was thinking about that when you said like the radishes, like this is the moment where you start going like, I don't bang with radishes, but let me go and look at some recipes. Cause maybe I'm missing out yes. on some things and you start eating yes. healthier just by like, you don't even notice it, but you start to incorporate those vegetables into your meals. Like, whereas you might yes. not have been cooking as many bell peppers before, but now you have an abundance in your backyard and boom, that's what you're doing. Right. Right. So, 
when you say if you grow it, you'll eat it. With one thing that we um, strive for is to plant something that we haven't eaten. Um, so when we first started gardening, we were like, okay, what is that one thing going to be? And we tried eggplants. We failed that first year. We didn't get any yeah. eggplants. No. But I said, you know what? We're going to try to plant eggplant again the following year. We're going to see. So then we grew it again and we actually Abundant. had <laughs> eggplant. And you know what? And we tried it. We ate it. We preserved some. And even with that, like, the next year, um, it was kohlrabis that we had planted that we had never eaten before. And it, and, it, and again, with doing that, it helps the kids because if we're only feeding them what we were fed growing up, like how do they branch out and experience different things and different benefits from the food that, you know, we just naturally didn't grow up eating. Um, and even with planting things that you don't normally eat, after you tr once you grow it, you'll try it mm -hmm. and you'll learn like, okay, that's not something that I like, so I don't have to grow that. And then you we always talk about you know everybody needs a garden a community garden so maybe that's not something that you grow but your neighbor ends up growing and it has abundance for people you know elsewhere too so i think it is very important to try and grow those items that you usually don't grow from the i mean buy from the grocery store to piggyback off of uh that uh we you know eat uh greens and turnip greens uh but a lot of times we don't eat the turnip uh, so last year, after we harvested our uh, turnip greens, we ate the turnip, the root. And let me tell you, yeah. we were like, oh, we can taste this. Like, <laughs> this could be a mashed potato replacement. Yeah. Uh, we can bake it. We can fry it. We you can, can mash it. it. We can roast it. <laughs> yeah. And so even when we don't uh, normally uh, grow something or eat something, when you do just try something yeah. different, you may start to say, oh, well, now we're going to incorporate this yeah. and I could see a lot of different uses yeah. uh, for this vegetable. And turnip was most definitely, eating the bulbs was most definitely one of those yeah. that we'll continue to keep uh, yeah. growing and exploring because it was just so good. Yeah. So what you're telling me, Sylvester, is that turnip is the Negro cauliflower. Because if I have to look at one more cauliflower thing. Oh, my goodness. Now, listen, I love cauliflower yeah. rice. I hate the cauliflower oh rice. We got cauliflower mashed potatoes. We got cauliflower mac and cheese. Yeah. Cauliflower pizza crust. Like, I done made a flower out of the cauliflower. Yep. <laughs> listen, so y'all telling me that I need to go hit up turnips and then try. Yes. Okay, say less, say less. Yes. So, what do you think is like, um, and I know it also depends on zone. So this might be like a very zone specific question, but um, what are you, what, what plants do you think are very easy? Like something that would give people like a confidence boost that kind of aren't easily killed or do you have any like that, that you can think of? Um, for me, I would say squash and zucchini plants, which you know, I grew up eating squash and zucchini. Other people are like, really? That's not something we get from the grocery store, but they're the easiest plants to grow, really. Oh. Um, you put them in, you can direct sow them right outside. You don't even have to, you know, get paper pots and stuff like that. And they're coming up in a few days. And then in about 50 days, you'll have like a plethora of squash and zucchini, you know, and they're so beautiful. So I always tell people, get you a couple squash and zucchini plants to start off with. Maybe some radish. We talked about radish. Yeah. The other one I would say is salad. Yeah. Salad is mm -hmm. very easy. Uh, and everybody eats salad. Mm -hmm. Even if you are not eating a salad, uh, lettuce on a burger mm -hmm. or, you know, something as a side dish or a garnish or whatever the case may be. Uh, but salad mixes are extremely easy. Mm -hmm. um, you can direct sow them. 
and they also, you know, start producing in a couple weeks, yeah. right? Where you can start to uh, take some leaves, but not cut the whole plant, but take some leaves. And so I think that's a very easy one. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of those confident booster yeah. ones um, yeah. that okay. happen almost, I mean, immediately. immediately. Yeah. Instant gratification. Like, I like it. Okay, so let's yeah. talk about what you just said, that that's a direct sow. What does that mean when you say that? Okay. So a direct sow uh, is putting uh, the seed straight into the ground. Uh, so that's where you get the direct from. Now, where we were just talking about propagating and starting seeds inside, that's where you would need to get the seed to uh, propagate, get to a plant. Uh, depending on, but you know, smaller size, four to six inches, um, and then put it outside, and that's the transplanting portion uh, of it, and then you put it into the ground and let it continue to grow. Mm -hmm. So those are really the two differences. Direct sow is going straight to the ground, or you're growing platform, um, and then transplanting is starting it somewhere else and then transferring it uh, to the ground. And I guess the easiest way to kind of remember or think about that is I go to the store and I buy a plant to put in my ground. That's a transplant. Okay. Thank you for that. And those, those are super important. And I also want you to know too, if you are transplanting a plant, I want you to know that just like people, plants are very dramatic. So when you're transplanting yeah. them, what I've learned is you want y'all are like, yes. <laughs> so like when you are transplanting, Yes. And you will literally think that they're dead because you transplant them and they just like fall out and you're like, oh my gosh, yes. this is it. We're done for no more tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever. And then like a day later, they're like, right. I'm just playing with y'all. I'm good. Like I'm back. Right. You're, like, right. yeah, you're like, yo, that was really dramatic of you, Broccoli, but don't do that yes. again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. it's really funny how that happens. Like you'll be ready to like uproot it when really like you just yeah. throw that water in there and then it'll be fine. Just give it a few days, maybe even a week sometimes and, and it'll be absolutely fine. Piggyback off of what you're talking about, it's a time period that is called hardening off. So if you do plan to start seeds um, inside, once they are about, like Sylvester said, four to six inches um, and they are strong seedlings, what you want to do is take those plants outside for a period of time. So um, to start off, I would not do it directly in the middle of the day, but maybe early, early in the morning so that the seedlings will get a little bit of the morning sun and then bring them in before um, the, the heat of the day. Um, and then you're going to be doing that motion back and forth for about a week. And it is called the hardening off time. And that's just placing the plants outside so they can get used to and adjust the UV rays, the wind, the rain, the temperature adjustment. Um, and like I said, that period will last for about seven days. And you, as the seven day time period goes on and progresses, you'll leave those plants outside a little longer and a little longer and a little longer. Um, what will happen if you do not do the hardening off period? And I am, I'm going to say I have gotten hit by this um when we first started growing in georgia i was like oh these plants are ready we're about to just go put them <laughs> right outside in the garden y'all we got the garden today what and i've never we done that ever right? <laughs> exactly i was so excited to get them out in the garden um and by this time we actually had like eight by four raised garden beds i told sylvester um, like after that first year of growing on our patio, I was like, oh, you're going to have to give me a bed out there. I got to grow some more of this food. <laughs> that was my next question. He, so I'm glad you brought it up. Okay, keep going, though, because we're going to get there. But he put one of those out there and I immediately put our okra plants out there. Oh. And when I say within like two hours, 
they have really died because they, they just didn't get used to the UV rays. I went out there and there was no more um, chlorophyll in the leaves. It was it was white. The whole plant was like white. It was burned. It was sunburned. So I always tell people, if you are starting indoors, remember the harden and off period because it is so important. All of that work will go to waste if you don't. Yeah. So always remember that. Yeah. And- It's super important too, because again, we're going back to zones, right? Like I had the exact opposite experience with okra. Okra was one that I was like, okay, I see why we be eating okra like this because it was just so easy. Like last year when I told Mm -hmm. y'all, I I struggled growing anything in my garden. Um, And this Mm -hmm. year, like, I mean, so like okra was one of the only things that grew during that time. I can get basil. My basil is just going to go crazy. Like basil's like, hey, I'm here. And the okra too. And okra is also very tricky because once it gets to be a certain size, it's like inedible. Like you cannot, like it's like super hard. So like okra, there's a, there's a size, size does matter. I just want y'all to know. So because the yeah. bigger it's the worse it is and it does not function. So, you know, women don't say that a lot, but I want to, I want y'all to know with okra that does matter. So yeah. but yeah. it was, it was a very interesting thing, but oh my goodness. Like, again, if you love okra, please plant it because yeah. it is a very, it, it's nice to you. Like once it grows, baby, you cannot yeah. get it to stop. Like another thing you're saying about zucchini, zucchini and squash, it will continue to grow and grow and grow. And like, you'll have like zucchini that's like yes. massive. And so you got to like yes. pull that. Now, let me tell y'all a really funny story that I'm going to ask y'all about the raised beds. So one year, mm-hmm. I, the first year I was uh, growing cucumbers, right? And so threw them in the ground and I was mm-hmm. like getting these beautiful, you know, they they have those beautiful yellow flowers that come up before yes. um, the, the cucumbers mm-hmm. come in beautiful. So like I kept noticing those yellow flowers and then the leaves were just green and beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh, but y'all, I was not getting any cucumbers. So I'm like, what the heck is happening? Mm-hmm. Like what's going on? So embarrassing moment. I didn't realize that you actually had to move the leaves, y'all, because they like kind of just grow on the ground. Y'all, I had huge huge cucumbers like on the ground. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like, I'm like, what's wrong with my cucumbers? You have to move the leaves. That's that's literally (laughs) how I look for it. Also, there's um, when you're dealing with this, you notice like, there's lots of vegetables that are prickly. Like you're like, like cucumbers have yes. like that prickly hair on them. So you kind of want to make sure you have yes. so they can like, feels like yes. insulation Lump or something. Yes. 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 So, and, um, and it's so funny that you say that because I tell people all the time, like people are like, what's the plant that you just really despise growing? And I'm like, cucumbers. Mm. Everybody's like, what? Really? I'm like, they are so prickly. Yes. When you're going to pick them, the whole thing. And like, yeah. So yeah, it's so funny that you have that same experience. Yes. And then it's like a quick rinse and it's fine. But like right. before, when you're grabbing it, you're like, you don't have to do me like that cucumbers. Like I have right. waited so long for you. And now you want right. to don't do that. Don't right. do that. So you want to talk about raised beds and like in the ground, you told Sylvester, quit playing with me. You're going to have to give me some raised beds. What, what's the difference? And obviously now I know you prefer the raised beds, but why? Okay, so, um, well, I will say that it's not that I necessarily prefer raised beds because even here on our homestead, we have like, what, three different 
Growing um, yeah, areas. growing techniques right now. So we do have raised beds. We also have row, um, like production style garden, and then our cottage garden um, is in ground. And then, um, yeah, and then the hoop house, which is the row production garden. Um, but I will say that for us, start well, and not even for us, but for some people, starting in pots may be the only way that you can start. Like say you're living in an apartment or you're living in a townhome where you don't necessarily have like a private yard um, to put raised beds in and to keep your neighbors from getting in or even uh, their pets from getting in. Um, so I do think that pots um, is the way to go if that is your situation. Maybe you have a small space to grow in um, and that will allow you to do that. Now, if you have um, a little bit more space, like, like I said, a backyard or even just a area even if you do have a townhome that you know is safe away from other pets you know just running through your beds or even your neighbors that you might not be unsure of um the raised bed is very beneficial just because you can have a larger square footage um so again on some of those seed packs on the back it'll tell you how close to put um your excuse me, your plants um, next to each other with a raised bed, you can kind of tweak that a little bit. Like it might say, oh, plant this six inches apart. And in a raised bed, you might be able to get away with the four inches apart. Um, and just because of how the square footage is, whereas if you're in a pot, it's very circular and you can only grow so much in that one single pot. Um, so that is why I do um, like raised beds for gardeners that are um, expanding their garden or um, and looking to grow more. Um, but again, you don't have to start in a raised bed. Yeah. No. And the other thing I would say, uh, in comparison with the container mm -hmm. and a raised bed is you are controlling your growing medium, right? You're putting in your compost, you're putting in your different additives or whatever you're trying to, um, nurture in the soil and you create, you create that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, same thing in a raised bed. In the ground, the ground has what the ground has, mm -hmm. right? And so then you uh, can do soil tests based off of the soil tests if you're lacking nutrients, uh, nitrogen or phosphorus or whatever you're looking for. You can't just add it um, as simply or start with that. At that point, you're starting to amend what's already there mm -hmm. um, to get uh, the best growing medium that you can have. So that's really, uh, I think the advantage from container or raised bed gardening versus in-ground uh, gardening. The way I look at container gardening is it is a raised bed that's portable or movable um, because you're using the same methods, the same techniques to get your growing uh, soil uh, to the point where you want it to be. Um, so it's like the flexible bed. Thank you. I was going to say, too, um, exactly what you were saying about, like, what testing your soil and what it is that you need. Um, I learned so much from that bugs group on Facebook that I was talking about. And I'm sure plenty of you are like in other groups and stuff. But I didn't know, like when I, I'm posting pictures, I'm like, yo, why are my leaves turning brown? Why are they turning yellow? And people were like, oh, you need nitrogen and add some eggs or you need this, add some banana water like all of these things that like, I just had no idea. I had no idea how to create compost. Um, I had no idea how to just like very basic things that um, like when they were like, look, take that old banana, your kids eat a lot of bananas, take those bananas, put them in some water, let them sit there for X amount of time and then use that water. I was like, take your eggs, you eat your eggs in the morning, whenever, bang them up, do this, put them out in the garden. I was like, 
this is so much stuff that I would have never known, just like the little bitty hacks and tricks. And every year in the group, they kind of like multiple right. times, they're like, what'd you grow this season? What was a disaster? What did you learn? And those posts go crazy because I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have never known that. I would have never thought to do that. Um, and so those are, yes. those are really cool things too. So guys, don't just like, you will learn from this podcast, but also you got to join those groups because there's so many things that like, and I'm also going to post all of y'all's information so people can follow y'all too. But Felicia, before we move forward, the one thing I don't want to skip over, you talked about it, and I think it's vitally important. The things that we call waste, which would normally go yeah. into the trash, are actually mm -hmm. very good for your soil. Yeah. Oh, right? my gosh. So the it's one thing that you are also- exactly. You are creating so We are creating soil. And the one yeah. thing that's really important is, and that I really like, because I don't like waste, um, is you'll start to notice your trash go down. Yeah. Like, why do we only got three bags when you normally have seven? It's because you're not throwing away all this good growing material. Mm -hmm. You're putting it back to use to the land, right? It's not yeah. going to a landfill. It's not going to create greenhouse gases. Yeah. It is going right back to where it started. Yeah. And I think that's very important. And I wanted to make sure that we yeah. emphasize that point, yeah. right? Because, I mean, it's just so vitally important yeah. when we you know, talk about the climate and we talk about how can we uh, waste less. There you go, right there. Yeah. Um, put it back into the ground and then it's feeding your ground and your soil to grow the next yeah. season's harvest, the next year's harvest. Um, but I think that's just so important. Yeah. I could not agree more. I think that one, once I started like becoming conscious of those things and you know, like millennials, that is something that we are really concerned about. We are concerned about leaving the earth to the next generation, whether we have kids or not, we just want to leave the world better. And so we're trying to figure right. out those things. And y'all, I know like when I say I was geeked about this topic, it's because there were so many things that came with it. It was the connecting of me to my ancestors. It was the connecting of me to the land. It was the connecting of me to future generations. It was the connecting of me to knowledge that I never experienced before. It was the connecting of me to creation. Like you think of yes. creation and you go, oh, cool. Like, you know, having kids or maybe like if you're an artist, you know what creation is all about. But like a garden is something anybody can create, you know? And so we hear people right. we hear the green thumb all the time. And we hear people say like, I can't grow anything. I promise you can, you can. And like yeah, right. once you, you start, yes. And so once you start and you see that, like you see what you've grown, there is a beauty there that is inexplicable. Like I can't, there, I cannot, you're looking at it and you're like, I did that. Like I grew those tomatoes. I grew those cucumbers. And then Y'all, my favorite part, because y'all know how I am, it's like each one teach one all the time with me. So whenever like people were coming to my house, like, girl, you got some tomatoes, you got some cucumbers. And I was able to just, they were taking Walmart bags, Kroger bags of, yeah. I was like, I did that. Like, I was just, I wanted to right. just cry on my porch. Like I did that. Like I created that. And like, I'm feeding people in this, my yes. little garden. Like it wasn't anything massive. You know what I'm saying? But right. it, was, right. it was just so beautiful. So yeah. Um, tell us, okay. Just to touch on that, um, just to touch on that, I absolutely agree with everything you just said about um, being in the garden, creating something, growing something, having your hands in the soil and how that connects us all. And even just looking past the connection 
to our ancestors and things like I always take it back to biblical like you said you like you just looked at creation differently in the story of creation and even with us I always think back to us like when God made man he made them in a garden and he placed them in a garden and gave them instruction so even beyond our ancestors it is like ingrained in us like each individual person like we should be in the garden tending to God's creation and it's just it's such a powerful place like I read a book recently with the women's group that I'm a part of um, and I won't mention the name because I don't agree with everything in the book but one of the things I did agree with in the book is that how um, starting a garden and tending a garden being in a garden um, with people with your family with your neighbors and friends that come over it is a real it's a very healing experience um so even just on our own um, personal levels the things that we may be pondering about or worried about or you know everybody has a family and we all know that families are not perfect and things like that but when you're out in the garden working amongst each other or working silently even um, and you're just pondering and working in the soil, tending to something, loving something, um, stewarding something. Uh, it goes beyond just that place in the garden, but it is really um, healing in, internally. And I try to stress that to people also, like people with PS, um, PTSD or people that are struggling with depression, people are, yes. that are struggling yes. with loneliness, people that struggle with all of these different things, anxiety, um, mm-hmm. growing something, even if it's just a house plant, you know, like. I'm like, I understand everybody can't tend to a garden right now. So I'm not going to automatically like push that on people. But even if it's just going out and buying a house plant and you tending and storing that house plant, um, it really does help and reconnect you and ground you. I love that. Like whenever I started, and I told you guys this, but whenever I started talking to people about gardening, I was surprised at how many people were gardening and also like not saying anything about it. <laughs> like I was yeah. like, and yeah. for example, my dad, my own dad, when I started gardening, my dad started telling me certain things. And I should have known this because my dad's a country boy. So was my mom, but my mom had passed before I started um, my garden. But like my dad was just out there like, Hey, you need to add this because this is happening in your garden. And I'm looking at him like, Negro, you have this like (laughs) of knowledge that like you've just been sitting on. Like, like, why haven't we connected over this? Why haven't you like, why are we not out in the garden together and like doing these together? Right. And like, but again, it's like this thing where like there's a lot of knowledge lost between, you know, the generation of like boomers to us, you know, and now we're reconnecting with that. Um and and to watch it like now this is when my aunt, my aunt is now sending me pictures of her garden beautiful garden mm-hmm. like all the things that yeah my aunt can throw down like that woman can cook and I'm like yeah. I would have never known she's in a different state she's in Arkansas I'm in Texas but like I would have never known that like so much of what you're eating is from your garden like you literally are just pulling right. this going to your backyard. And I'm like, I want, like, I started gardening. I wanted everybody to know, y'all, I'm posting pictures. I'm doing all the things. I'm trying to get yeah. everybody around me to garden. Like, it was just yeah. such a Sabrina, when you said the word healing, I just, I cannot, amen. And I'll show you that enough. Like, I just was like, that is the word. Like, it was so yeah. healing to be out there. And we grew up, you know, many of us grew up with our big mamas or even our big daddies too. But, you know, yeah. papas, whatever you call them, your granddaddies, whoever, 
that were tending right. to plants. It wasn't really a gender gendered thing. And we would see right. them out there talking to plants. We would see them in the house talking to their plants. Um, but somehow yeah. it was just like lost. And so I'm so grateful to be able to have this opportunity to talk to you guys. Um, and I saw on your page that you guys, this is first generation, right? Like yes. you guys- We started yeah. in 20 or 2018. Yeah. Is this when we started is on the this is why this is so important to me. And I need y'all to understand because we look at people and where you are today, right? Would scare the hell out of people. Like they would go, they got a yeah. whole farm over there. Like I can't do that. But you're saying, baby, we first generation. My husband came home with some soil, a pot and some seeds. Okay. Yeah. And, a, and a whole yeah. wife that was like, I ain't doing that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. Right. And now you're like, Felicia, hold on. Let me go check on the chickens. You know what I'm saying? So like, yes. so let right. me go see if this goat is in labor. Yes. yes. And I wanted that because I wanted people to see that, like, you don't have to start big. And in those groups no. that I'm in, yo, like there are people that live in row homes in Philly and Baltimore in, right. in Jersey that have, they put yeah. their stuff on the porch and just letting it grow. You yep. know what I'm saying? Like you don't That's have do. yep. this yard and this right. acres. You don't have to have that to grow and to no. heal and to create. You don't have to. And so right. listening to you guys, like looking at your stories and all the things and you guys saying like, we're first generation. We didn't grow up in this. We didn't grow up around that. I thought that that was um, motivating. I thought that's like literally the only word that I could use was motivating because a lot of people just feel like it's out of reach. You know, like we go right. that's big, that's too much. That's too this, that's too that. Um, but you right. guys are like, you can do it. Like this is our right. life now, but it didn't start like this for four or five years right. ago. Right. So right. Right. anyway, yo, it's 2023. I just keep having to add that extra year in. Cause I'm like, this is yes. like, I'm like, it's not 2023 no more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My calculations are all off. <laughs> So. But I think one, one thing that you said that was important that we're losing uh, or we stopped farming or gardening, right? Um, Our lands were taken from us too. Generations. Whole other topic. Oh my goodness. And my experience was very similar to yours. Like my dad grew up in Mississippi. I mean, he now. knew everything, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I don't ever remember a garden when we ever. were at home. Mm -hmm. But right when everybody's out of the house, oh, then a garden pops up, and, you right. know, and so, you know, it's kind of funny and comical. And now we talk about it all the time, yeah. you know, and he comes down to, a, you know, our <laughs> yeah. supermarket, yeah. you know, right. our garden in our back and he shopping every yeah. time he comes to visit. Yeah. But I think, um, and I don't want to sit here too long because, you know, that'd be a whole tangent. But for me personally, uh, what I've come to the conclusion is every generation wants their kids to be better than them, right? Absolutely. And some of the things that we're coming back to as millennials, uh, the gardening and producing mm -hmm. our own food and things like that, to them was a burden, mm -hmm. right? So they didn't introduce us to these things. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to see, especially for me, uh, 2020 was one of those years that was, I mean, everybody lived through it like 2020. You, all you have to say is 2020 and that people right. understand, right? Right. And <clears throat> when 2020 hit, I was like, what if we can't get food? Like, do we need to do more? Right. Oh my gosh. And that's what really mm -hmm. injected us into, you know, going from two raised beds to four raised beds mm -hmm. um, and, you know, exploring different things. Yeah. 
And so I think now we're starting to understand like this food thing is real. Uh, yeah. You know, $5 eggs is real. Uh, $2 for a bell pepper is real and that's right. not sustainable. And so I think a lot of people are going back to, you know, the roots and I say a hundred yeah. years ago, right? Yeah. Where everybody, you know, tried you to do a little something. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just, you know, we re-emphasized or recalibrated what is important, what is actually a burden. Um, and, you know, we started to go back to growing, you know, food and it's a, a huge push right now. And I think it's a very appropriate um, that we can, you know, just take care of our families just a little bit better. And, you know, on a podcast, because we don't have all the time in the world, but it is, it's always, there's never enough time, right? Because the truth is when you right. look at anything that is lost in, um, in black culture, especially black American culture, we can, we can trace it back to slavery because the last thing you want to do is spend any time in a field or anything that looks remotely close to it right after that. And so we lost right. a lot of things that our ancestors knew so much about, and it was no fault of their own. You know what I'm saying? So like right. we, I always have to like, as the host, I always have to be very careful how I speak about things because I never want to come off as insensitive. as like, oh, my dad just didn't teach me. No, like my dad was also very big. My dad grew up in Jim Crow, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. yeah. this is a man right. who, my dad is not a man of many words. He doesn't speak a lot. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but that garden did something to him. And, you know, I'll never yes. forget, like, I was like, I got some watermelon seeds and I was like, oh, I'll plant this. And my daddy was like, <laughs> he was like, you don't want to plant no damn watermelon. It takes too much water. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was looking at him like, what? You know, and so that kind of started yeah. our conversations of like, what the heck does this man know about gardening? And then it was right. everything. He knew everything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, again, they have these things that have been, um, repressed that they grew up on that they grew up seeing but you don't get to enjoy those things when you're having to work very hard to provide for a family you don't have time to garden you know so right. again we pay homage and and we honor our ancestors for the knowledge that they did pass down for the survival techniques that they had um and for now all the hard work that they did that allows us the opportunity to now garden for leisure right and and sometimes right. work right like you guys you know but it's just it's a beautiful thing so uh, i i absolutely appreciate you bringing um bringing that up and saying that um so sylvester sabrina let me tell you about my dead garden last year <laughs> Okay, because like, oh. <laughs> like you came in, I'm like, let's come in. What happened? I'm like, y'all need to help me. Okay. Let's so talk like I told y'all my first year. So my first year I had super success, right? Like I said, it was everything was green, everything was growing, everything was beautiful, everything tasted beautiful. Um, aside from them damn horned worms that almost took my whole tomatoes out. Oh. I hate those. Yeah. They're of the devil. Yes. But we're gonna talk about that yeah. another time. Okay, but so everything grew. And then the next year, I don't know what I did wrong, but my it just, I couldn't get things to grow. And so I wanted to talk about that. I mean, I don't even know what to tell you. You know how you don't know what you don't know. I don't know what I missed. I don't right. know what I could have done differently. So tell us some things that some common mistakes, maybe from season to season or year to year, things like that, that people might make. Um, so, well, first, were you growing in pots? Or are you growing in a raised bed? Because that can kind of give a little bit more sure, I um, had, context. Um, 
Sure. I had raised beds. Um, and well, some of them were in pots, but I, it just seems like Sabrina, nothing like my raised beds. I didn't do any in the ground, like directly in the ground. Um, but what I did do was I did some, um, I did, uh, pots and I did the raised beds and last the, the previous year I had some super good, uh, like, uh, success with cucumbers and eggplant. And I tried to grow the exact same things the next year, but like to no avail, like it was just like, they did not work for me. So I was wondering, like, I I don't know. Well, the first thing that I will start with was last year was a crazy growing season. A lot of the country was in a drought. So if you weren't necessarily double time watering those plants and making sure that soil at least six to eight inches down was like getting enough water and not just the top two inches, because a lot of new um, growers, they'll stick their finger down there like, oh, okay, this first two inches of soil is good. Um, but unfortunately in seasons where we do have higher droughts, I mean, you really have to go down deep and make sure those roots have sufficient enough water. Um, because the deeper the water, the deeper the roots will go. And in that case will make a stronger plant to actually have a yield. Um, so another thing um, besides all that, so if it's a normal year, there's no drought and everything's going normal. Um, between seasons, I will go out, we will add um, compost onto our beds um, and our rows. And that is because once when your plants are growing, they do eat some of the soil. So if you start off with a full pot or a full raised bed of soil, um, by the end of the season, you might lose about two to four inches of soil. So I will replenish the soil. Um, we also have, it's a little tool. Um, I'm sorry. And I wish I had the name for you, but it's a gauge where you stick it down in the soil. It'll tell you if your soil is moist. It'll tell if it's alkaline or if it's acidic. Um, and then you'll be able to know by reading that gauge, um, if you need to add any like acidifiers, if you need to add blood meal, bone meal, things like that to amend your soil. Um, the other thing that I try to take note um, of um, is like in the previous season, how did the tap root vegetables grow? Now, if you were as successful with getting long carrots, then I wouldn't amend the soil anyway, but say you tried to grow carrots and all of your carrots were short and stubby or they were you know, crossed together and things, that could have something to do with how you seeded it. However, if they're really short and stubby and you notice that your soil has like compacted and getting got hard, um, what I would do is go back in maybe with some sand and amend that soil so that it's loose for the next growing season for tap roots um, and always replenish your fertilizers we do fertilize we only use organic fertilizers such as armwork arm I'm sorry worm castings um, and that again is great for your garden um, and then other natural organic fertilizer make sure you have that on stock for the next growing season because we all know distribution is crazy nowadays and you don't want the season to start and you're out searching for the fertilizer that you love to use um, so again I will go ahead you know at the end of the season kind of look through that stuff like you said off season get things on sale um, and just stock up so that you're prepared when the season does roll in the next spring um, what else would I do usually clean up everything organize and I know like 
I don't come to my house because I'm going to tell you what to do, but I might not do it. <laughs> so I would say organize things, you know, make sure you have your seeds together. Um, what I like to do is I like to, and I have a couple packets right here. So I like to just get like some little Ziploc baggies. I know the new trend now is to get those hard plastic, like seed bins. Um, but this is just really affordable for us. We have kids, we go through sandwich packs. So I get the sandwich packs, get a little cue card, cabbages. All of my cabbage seeds go in one pack, all of the beets all of the tomatoes all of the peppers all of that just organize it um so again when you're getting ready to revamp and restart for the next season you know exactly where all the seeds are you know what you need to order how low you are um and all of that when you held up your little cabbage thing for those of you that are listening and not watching she held up like this little ziploc bag that has cabbage on it like labeled little note card and um it reminded me that i actually love eating cabbage and i hated growing it because i didn't know you only got one from it like only just yeah. like, yes. i yes. felt so like yes. ignorant after that but i'm like so it's just one and done huh like i just chopped it like you have to yeah. grow so many to like, yeah. you know, like cabbage, you don't make yeah. me mad. You know, black folks love some cabbage. Don't do that. Don't do that to us. I know. And home, and homegrown cabbage oh is the goodness. best. Listen, oh, my sister my was gosh. like, just save all the cabbages for me. I was like, girl, I got to sell these cabbages now. She was like, uh-uh, save them. Homegrown cabbage they are really so good. good. Really good. Sylvester, yes. what were you going to add on? Uh, the only the thing I was going to add on is um, soil tests. Every year you'll want to do a soil test. And so most of the kits that come with soil tests are usually 10 to $15. And they usually have about 40 tests in there. Yeah. So if you have beds, each bed should get a test every year to see if you're lacking uh, something or need to add anything. Um, <clears throat> but that's important um, to do every single year. And then that'll let you know what needs to be added uh, to the soil. Oh, thank you so much for that. Uh, especially for people like if you have a pool, it's very similar. You just kind of dip the little thing in there and then it'll kind of tell you what it is that you need. You upload it to yes. like an app. Is that how yours is? You upload it to an app and then it'll like kind of tell you. Or is no, it just, actually. Oh, it just has like a little picture. Yep, it yeah. was it was a whole kit. I yeah. think it ranged from like white to pink or something like yeah, that. And uh, <laughs> I think in three different ones or something like that, one for your nitrogen like just a little tube for nitrogen and tube for phosphorus, a tube for potassium. And you just sprinkle a little bit of soil or soak the soil and follow the instructions. And then it'll tell you if it's at the appropriate level or not. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and then the other thing that I was going to say is crop rotation. Even if you have a small bed, don't put tomatoes in the same place every year uh, because it will um, one deplete the nutrients that the tomato uses uh, from that specific area. So uh, there are some companion plants or some plants that take nitrogen, some plants that may put nitrogen back. Um, so one year you might wanna use the ones that deplete nitrogen. And then the next year you might put a plant there that add nitrogen back the into the soil. So then you don't have to add outside mm -hmm. um, supplements or treatments. You may still, but maybe not at the same degree. Um, so then you can have a full bodied soil, so to speak, mm -hmm. naturally. Even with that, I feel like that's a natural progression in gardening. Because for somebody yeah. that may have a smaller space, you might have to put that same plant in the same space. And with that, you just really try to make sure that you're, you know, at, like enriching your soil. Enough. Thank you for that. Um, and Sylvester, while we're here, we got to get on cross pollination because I'm, I got really lucky that that didn't happen to me. But, you know, how can we what is that? What is cross pollination? How can we avoid it? Um, and what does that look like? Tell us a little bit about that. So <laughs> the bad news bear, here he comes. You cannot 
stop cross-pollination, but that's okay. Because cross-pollination um, essentially is, let's say you have two different kinds of peppers, a hot pepper and a sweet pepper. Um, as the pollinators, and let's just say a bee, uh, goes from the hot pepper plant and pollinates the sweet pepper plant. This year's harvest is not going to be impacted. Next year harvest, if you keep the seeds from the plants that were cross-pollinated, now that's gonna be a sweet hot pepper. Possibly. If, possibly, possibly, correct. And so if you don't want a sweet hot pepper or the possibility, then you need to just uh, not keep those seeds mm -hmm. um, and you know get more seeds. Um, but cross-pollination is gonna happen whether it's from the wind, yeah. mm -hmm. whether there's seeds from uh, the feather of a bird while it's flying in it, you know, yeah. uh, go somewhere. Um, but we can't stop cross-pollination um, unless, well, I won't say unless, you can significantly reduce it uh, if you have only one crop mm -hmm. that you're growing. Uh, I don't, yeah, we don't do that. Gardeners, yeah. Right, we'll have multiple yeah, crops. Yeah, we don't do that. Uh, we're not going to be a, a, you know, a corn or soybean and not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's just yeah. not the farming that we do. Um, as it relates to, you know, our operation, but um, that would probably help reduce cross-pollination. But even with that, learning to grow everything to seed and save those seeds, um, I will still grow the pepper seeds. For mm -hmm. me, it's more important to have the seeds to be able to grow if needed versus, oh, there's a possibility that I could get a wonky pepper. Like once that comes up, then we'll figure out that from, you know, at that time. But I tell people right now we're like such in a iffy time period. Like they could just be like, oh, we're not going to sell seeds anymore. You know what I mean? So it's very important, even if you think about or you're scared of like a, um, of cross-pollination is not the end-all be-all. It's not going to kill you to have a pepper that maybe is not as hot as you were expecting it to be, or maybe a sweet pepper that was not as sweet as you expected it to be. But at the end of the day, it is a seed. It will produce food for your family to eat. So I think um, when I talk to people about that, I'm like, save those seeds, save those seeds, because it's going to produce food. I need to learn when to pull the seeds from the plants that, like the bell peppers. I mean, bell peppers, y'all already know, they have an abundance, right, of seeds. Like, right. I'm like, I need to I need to be more mindful of that. And so that that also helps with frugality, y'all, with like years to come. So you, you grew all those plants, take all of those seeds out, put them in a bag somewhere, label them like we were just talking about. But um, that, I just, I really appreciate that. Cause, but in the groups that I'm in, it is really fun to watch some of the cross-pollination, like those pictures. I'm like, not a limit. Right. Yes. <laughs> and like, right, so, right. like I never knew a lemon cucumber could be this good like you're looking at this like yes. on the outside and a lemon on the you're like what is happening so they yes. are it's, it's fun to see um but obviously for many reasons it can be very disappointing so so like right. but I, I appreciate you guys um hitting on that oh one thing I wanted to talk about too is again we we kind of hit on it um but Last year, I had a really significant conversation that kind of pivoted a lot of things. Um, and I was like, well, so have you guys ever heard of food apartheid? Um, Actually, I had not until I got some of your questions. And I was like, OK, I mean, I kind of knew where it was leading to, but mm -hmm. I just I hadn't heard of it used as like an open, you know, conversational topic, um, if you will. I assumed as well what it was because I knew what apartheid was. So I'm like, oh, OK, that might be some food yeah. disparities based off of. Mm -hmm. And no. then we looked it up because, you know, we, right. we researched and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we gardeners, we in there. 
Right. Yep. So we did look it up. And I was, yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. So even though I have not heard of this, I know exactly what this is. I know exactly what it looks like. I know for myself exactly what it feels like right. um, where we are located. Um, if if I go to the South side Walmart, um, which we're in rural America, but there is a college city town you know very close to us so we do go there a lot for grocery shopping and if I go to the Walmart on the south side of um the city there's barely any like organic options the produce section is very small so even if I go there occasionally like there's not one single cabbage head and it's like okay so you guys set out 12 cabbage heads for this entire south side of your city you know what I mean or like even the things that are organic would be like apples bananas um they might have other fruits that are organic um some some potatoes but the thing even with that is the organic comes or you buy it in in two days your apples are wrinkled and soft because they weren't fresh there and and who knows how I mean it takes a long time for an apple to shrink up and get soft so I'm like so who knows how long they were actually sitting in that store versus when I go to the other Walmart you know in this in the center of the city where you know they have multiple options of organic food they have the stockpiles there and things so um even with that just saying to myself oh well I have I guess first-handed experience um the food apartheid you know so, um, you know, I, I really appreciate that because for those of you that are not familiar with food apartheid, I want to tell you a conversation that significantly changed my life. So I was talking to one of my good friends, Maybelline. We were actually in Atlanta, um, headed to the airport, and we were talking about gardening and all things natural and organic and all these things. And I said, yeah, you know, because when I lived in Philly, it was a straight food desert. And she said, sis, right. sis, no, food desert is not a thing. And I said, what do you mean? Like mm-hmm. I lived in one. She said, we're, we're not using that language anymore. She said, a desert is something that occurs naturally, right? Due to the mm. climate, due to the area that it's in, what you experienced was food apartheid. And that mm. changed my life, my language, my understanding. And when you said the South yeah. side, I'm sure everybody listening is like, it's always the South side, Right. But like, yeah. how do you know that, right? And so when she said that, she said, what is done to us is very strategic. When you go to black yeah. and brown communities and you can't find organic options and you can't find options, like you were saying, right? You buy the apples and in two days they're shriveled up and you're like, when in the world has an apple in two days done this? Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. I remember I was living in Philly and where I was at in Philly, there were no, I don't think y'all understand because a lot of people, especially when you're from the burbs, like I am, when you go to somewhere that's like inner city, um, that's a, that's experiencing a food apartheid, you cannot fully understand that there's no options around you that are healthy. You have a McDonald's, you have a Burger King, you got um, what they call the Chinos, the Asian joints, you got the, the pizza joints on the corner, you got all of these um, you got the uh, the bodegas. You have all of these options, and none of them come with a fresh salad. None of them come right. with like n- none of it. And the closest you're going to get is a lot of the halal places um, mm-hmm. with you know the Muslims that they you know the way they prepare their food and their meats and things. Um, and and so, but at the end of the day, when she told me, 
sis, that's food apartheid. I was like, yeah. I felt even more empowered that I was like, I have to do this for my community. Like this is for the culture. Yeah. Like me growing yeah. food is like, it's it's me fighting the man. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. me paying yeah. homage. It's me doing yeah. all the things for my community that I possibly can. And so when I look at people like y'all, I cannot continue to say that I honor you and I lift you up and I hope that everything you touch grows I hope everything you touch blesses the lives of everybody that's able to that's that's able to reach it because y'all like this is something that is just so important to me um and I wanted to just end with this Sabrina Sylvester do y'all have any this is my last question do y'all have anything that you feel any advice to um beginner the the novices such as myself like any advice you'd like to give the people that would um that would help um my advice would be to start where you are start with where you are and what you have available to you and even the things that you don't have available to you like make that commitment with yourself to make that investment. Um, like we understand that it's not going to look like, well, everybody's situation is not going to look like ours. We, we, you know, we don't expect everyone to stop what they're doing after growing a small garden and getting chickens and getting goats and getting all of this, right. Or even like getting a hoop house, but start where you are, start small on the scale that you can start at and grow from there like I don't I don't want people to say look at our end or where we are now and be like I gotta be there or I can't do it no start where you are because if you start that will maybe cause a ripple effect to where maybe a neighbor two doors down will start and then that neighbor across the street will start and then now we have multiple people in smaller communities and we don't all have to grow the same thing, you know, like everyone can grow something different and that food is just communal and it's going around. But I think for me, just the biggest thing of just starting where you are. Yep. Thank you. And what I would say, just like Sabrina said, just start, right? Yeah. I think it's important to just start. And if you have the will and the want to, to do it, it nothing will stop you. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's, um, you know, just a little pot with different basils or sage that's sitting in your kitchen counter that's growing, that's starting, right? So it doesn't have to be drastic. It doesn't have to be burdensome. When you start, the growing will kind of dictate, not dictate, it will give you direction on where you want to go next. Yeah. Um, how fast, how big, how small. Um, but I think starting is, is the big thing. <clears throat> Thank and even you. with that, the other thing I would say is you have to give effort. And the reason why I'm adding that piece is because I feel like in today's time, everything is right at our fingertips or like it, it people feel like things should automatically come easy or it should be just a black and white answer to things. And when you're growing your own food, um, it's not going to always be that way. So giving that effort into research searching like we've been talking about here we could really talk about gardening all day long all oh night there's gosh. so many different topics um so with me and saying give effort it's like you have to put in that extra time to read and study and research and ask questions and you know maybe go to that friend or that neighbor that have a garden but you yourself have to put forth the effort as well and just don't give up um but that is like the biggest thing I feel like a lot of people end up 
failing or quitting gardening, growing for themselves is because maybe the effort wasn't there enough into where they then they do get discouraged. So if you're putting forth the effort, you it's just success. There's nothing even in the even in the times where you feel like this was unsuccessful, this was a disaster, it, it's success because you've learned from that. And you can go on the next growing season and say, hey, this is what happened last year. We're gonna do something different, give more effort <laughs> and just keep going. Just yeah. keep it going. The last, the last, last thing that I'll say, the yes, last, yes, last thing, please. find your tribe, mm -hmm. um, your community of growers, um, finding mentor, find somebody who's done it before, yeah. who's willing to do it still, yeah. um, because you can't put a price tag on experience, right? Mm -hmm. And being a beginner, you may feel like you don't have experience, but you've done something before you came to this point, right? So those lessons that you learned at work, at school, wherever, those things are still true with gardening. Um, but finding that tribe and finding that community and finding that mentor will save so many lessons. Um, and they don't have to be physically there. They can be virtual. And yeah. with you know all those different social media platforms, podcasts, YouTube videos, that can be your tribe. And they yeah. might not even know you're in their tribe, right? Yeah. Um, but those things are so important um, so we don't have to repeat mistakes um, and we can just get spun up or learn quicker. Thank you. You know, um, again, as I, as I was telling you the story about my daddy and my, um, my, um, my aunt, I think we would be surprised if we just reached out to our own family members, like close yes. relatives, what they know, like, especially if we as you know, when you said you're from Mississippi, I'm like, I don't know a person in Mississippi that don't know nothing about gardening. I don't know one, right? Yeah. Like everybody right. knows something right. about gardening Mississippi. I'm from Arkansas originally. Like I live in Texas now. Like if you in the South, especially, and Black folks, you know, we in the South. So like your family, they know. And so you would be surprised the conversations that open up just from that, right? Like just being like, yep. hey, I want to start a garden, Granny. You know anything about it? And they're like, girl. Mm -hmm. And so- you know, these connections are made. And I think that that's really, and, and you're right, Sabrina, uh, you said a few words that are kind of my, my, my key words for the year. One was communal. Um, that's always been inside of me. I never realized I'm such a communal person. I'm a communal eater. My friends be like, can you not eat my stuff? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm just a communal person. Like, I'm like, you can have yeah. mine too, you know? Um, right, right. Discouraged, like, do not be discouraged, y'all. You gonna put some things out there that ain't gonna grow. I'm telling you, I don't. That squash, when she yeah. said squash was easy, I was like, I know Sabrina lying. I know she lied. So, like, <laughs> I'm going to put some yeah. things out there that you wanted with your whole heart, and it's not gonna grow. You know, and yeah. then you're gonna put some yeah. stuff out there, like they said that you don't want, like them radishes, and they gonna grow. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So yeah. take your time. Um, and develop the skills that are necessary because you will yes. find that it is a healing experience. It is something that grounds you. Um, and just that learning, like the being self-sufficient and self-reliant, we come from that, yes. right? Those are our yes. answers. We come from that. And I want us to be able to yep. sit in that. And that's what this podcast is all about. And y'all already know, as I always say, each one teach one. Once you learn, then you got to share that knowledge. But again, Sylvester, yes. Sabrina, I thank you so much for your time today. I thank you for all the knowledge you have shared. I feel like I want to do 15 podcasts just with y'all. <laughs> like I want to do like 15. <laughs> Listen, like, I was saying back. the same thing just now in I my just, head. I'm like, next time we're going to talk about chickens, y'all, because we're going to get our people ready. I'm like, chickens. 
Listen, you know chickens got us real traumatized right now. When Sylvester said them eggs five dollars, I was like, where he at? Because uh, they like seven and eight. So I'm like, but you know, we're not gonna talk yeah. about that right now. We're gonna end it on a good note, y'all. It's called Black Joy. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we're gonna yes. end with the joy. But I just want to say that I honor you. I lift you up. I thank you for everything that you've done today and everything that you've shared with us. So till next time, y'all. Thank you so much for thank having you. us. Thank you.